it's high time marketers should think about uh, you know adapting to a full funnel strategy because uh, focusing on a low funnel or mid funnel silos are not going to help anyone to accelerate their growth keep all your top of funnel uh, investment more addressable create a shareable kpi between teams work on your media mix model and create focus groups uh, within your team but then you think about the social landscape. The research and data is hugely significant. When we combine all of these different touch points, build that long-term loyalty, and then diving into the clicks to leads to sales, it's gotten to a point where it can drive better results than audience targeting, and really is what's going to set you apart. You're tuning in. You're tuning in. You're tuning in to the How Agencies Thrive podcast. A lot has changed post-pandemic, and in that light, marketers have had to adopt new strategies to keep up with the changing digital landscape. Now that the world has progressed, so has advertising. Today, we're exploring how agencies and brands can thrive in the post-pandemic world. We're joined by leaders in the industry to discuss the ways in which the digital marketing landscape has evolved, the disruption that's been brought on by seemingly irreversible changes to the advertising industry, and what digital marketers can expect moving forwards. In this episode, we have Praveen from Clutch, and he brings in years of experience in the digital marketing space with a focus on e-commerce. The most exciting part about this episode is the inside scoop that we're going to get by looking at the impact and growth that's been possible with the inclusion of programmatic as a critical part of their digital marketing strategy. As always, thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode of How Agencies Thrive podcast. So welcome, Praveen. Great to have you on the episode. As we always like to do, we want to pass it over to our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves. So in your case, tell us a little bit about Clutch, your experience in the industry, and some areas of expertise that you have. Thank you, Matt. Um, I'm head of growth and performance for Clutch. I've been in the industry for almost 15 years, primarily working on the e-commerce space in the last six to seven years. I know uh, Clutch, I've joined Clutch around January this year. It's about six months, six amazing months, I would say. Clutch is the first and largest online car retailer uh, with thousands of quality pre-owned vehicles available to be purchased online and delivered directly to your door. And we also revol- uh, like, you know, kind of changed the way how people buy cars and sell their cars in Canada. So super excited to be uh, a representative of Clutch and really tells um, you know a great story about like you know how how we are completely the disruptor in the in the industry, which is which has been pretty stagnant for years. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you on this episode. And uh, as we we're chatting before, what we're going to do is we have about four main questions that we're going to cover. And halfway through, we'll take a quick break and then uh, finish out strong with some trends and strategies that advertisers and brands can be using. So, to start out, I I wanted to know, you know, and you can go as as, as broad as you'd like to on this. Uh, let's talk about some trends in the last year that you've noticed in the e-commerce automotive space. Yeah, I think like, uh, you know, one of the biggest change we have seen is people start to adapt to the uh, the concept of buying a car online. As like, you know, any other e-commerce business, like, you know, we need to have a steady mindset and an understanding around how someone can buy some of the big bucket items online. Uh, for example, uh, when Amazon was launched, like you know, people, I don't know, like how people perceive that as a part of the concept of buying things online. I think that's the same story happened on the automotive industry as well. But that has been changed quite a lot over the last 12 months, I would say, especially like Canada, 
uh, U.S. audiences ad- adapted to it like pretty quickly, but for can- Canadian market, like it's fairly a new concept. The more and more credit- credibility we we have created over the last twelve months, I think like people's con- conception around like you know um, buying a car online kind of changed, and yeah, it's going to be uh, an onward and upward journey going forward. And I, I'll I'll throw you a bit of an audible here. I guess from the the consumer perspective, is this something that you've noticed that consumers have actually liked and found that it makes it a little bit easier compared to, you know, your traditional process of going into a dealership or going into like a used automotive uh, car lot? Like, is this something that consumers have been pretty warm to or is there still kind of that competition of the brick and mortar retail experience for buying cars? Yeah, 100%. I mean, like in a, in a recent study, which we conducted, uh, more than 76% of uh, people said they prefer spending less time visiting dealership to find the right car. And from a brand perspective, like, you know, we ensure, Clutch ensure uh, a complete peace of mind uh, for each car buying. We offer them like a 10-day money-back guarantee. We also offer a comprehensive warranty coverage. So, I mean, like, you know, the more and more assurance and more and more customer obsessive service uh, we started to giving i think like i think the, that number is keep on growing uh, one good example is like if you checked our um, customer rating on some of those review review platforms we always get like more than 4.5 and we have more than like you know a thousands of reviews online as well so it, it adds a lot of credibility to the the service we are offering and it's yeah as i said like it's onward and upward journey from from now on yeah, that's great to hear. And uh, one one final question I had on this was, you know, we've looked at, especially on the programmatic side, we've looked at how how the pandemic impacted kind of online industry, you know, how, how e-commerce platforms seem to develop and how the pandemic was almost a blessing for a lot of businesses. And it seems like online purchasing of a vehicle would have been something that benefited greatly from the pandemic because people didn't have the luxury of going into a dealership like they traditionally did. So it's, well, if you need a car, you have to figure out a way to to get one in a way that at the time was going to be very safe and it was going to be reliable. So is this something that Clutch, you know, really benefited from? I know you said you, you joined Clutch in you know, just the last six months, but kind of going back kind of to before your time, was this something that they benefited from a lot? Absolutely. I mean, like in a, in a world um, where uh, inventory demand um, are super high and availabilities are super low, I think like that whole persona around, uh, you know, uh, where where am I going to get my car? Like, you know, I'm, I'm in need of a bigger car for my family. Like all those important decision-making steps I think like it is critical for us to be there whenever people think about uh, their next big purchase. Apparently, it's the second biggest purchase in in Canada, right? Like so, I think uh, in this post pandemic or yeah, in the post pandemic world, it is important uh, we we make um, as a as a brand we are making uh, you know we are improving lives and and earning trust by uh, uh, delivering the the driving needs of our customer in a gra- in a greater scale. Uh, one good example is like we are almost serving uh, all of the provinces uh, in, in Canada, except Manitoba right now. Um, and we are planning to expand it to uh, almost like 90% of Canadians by 2023. So uh, it's a testament of um, how futuristic we are thinking about about this industry and, and, and the opportunity in this industry is like 
quite large. Awesome. That's really great to hear. What we'll do now is, is shift gears a little bit more because, you know, as we all know, Stack Adapt is, is a programmatic DSP. We want to talk a little bit about how you've leveraged programmatic and how it's, how it's benefited, uh, you know, building awareness and driving conversions for, for clutch. So, you know, with respect to, to measurement, what has your experience been with, uh, with programmatic as opposed to, you know, a traditional social media strategy? that uh, a lot of brands were running before? Uh, it's always tough to attribute to a full funnel model, especially like, you know, if you are started investing around a lot of brand activities, like it's always a, uh, you know, a, a tougher attribution uh, to achieve. So I think like what StackLab brought into our table uh, this year, especially is um, it creates uh, an addressable top of funnel media investment for us. Like we started u- leveraging some of those you know, a really strong um, conversion and cross cross channel and and cross device conversion paths to identify uh, some of our early stage customers who are still in awareness and consideration stage, and leverage stack it up. Uh, you know, uh, different type of tactics and strategy to target them throughout the different stages of the funnel, and it also helps us to you know, move them away from uh, an awareness stage into like a consideration um, and all all the way down to a a purchase decision stage. And the biggest success for us is we would be able to measure all of this within the platform. Um, So number one, addressable top of funnel uh, media investment. And number two is like the shareable KPI. And it also, and the number three is it also allows us to create a media mix model where we can uh, tap into this uh, user cohorts uh, in in whatever journey they are and whichever stages they are. And I am curious though with with automotive is I would assume the sales cycle is actually pretty long, so it's important to continue to engage with customers at every single stage. Is that is that fair to say? Is that something that you you guys have experienced? Because because you did say you know it's it is the I've heard that too that it's one of the second biggest purchase decisions that people make. I think the first biggest is probably their house, but you know, it's not like people are just going and picking a a car off of Amazon and having it shipped to you the next day. It's something you have to research and make sure you're making the right decision for your needs. Yeah, absolutely. But you'll be surprised to see, (laughs) you know, the, the, the purchase cycle is vastly different depends on uh, individual user persona and user cohorts. For someone who are in market for a car, generally, like they they start the research process about like two to three months before, uh, before they're making their purchase decision. Uh, but some also make uh, some uh, immediate uh, uh, trigger based uh, decisions. For example, let's say if you are moving away from uh, from downtown, you are moving into suburb, and then you realize like you need a a car, or let's say like you know you you are. Um, about to uh, have a baby and you realize like you need a bigger car. So uh, those are like, you know, life, life, lifestyle and, and life changes event, which also triggers a lot of um, uh, car purchasers. Uh, so for those users, like that's ideally like a shorter uh, purchase window for someone who is uh, passively looking. Um, I think like, it's important for us to be, uh, you know, omnipresent wherever they are, like whether they are in market right now or whether they will be in market in the next six months. So, um, I think like uh, having a full funnel, a programmatic strategy allow us to be in that space and effectively like communicate and engage with those user cohorts uh, throughout their journey. 
Perfect. And we, we had a second part to this question. It was more around, you know, how advertisers and brands can find success in in their media mix. It seems like, you know, Clutch is using a lot of programmatic, but for someone that is, you know, traditionally using social and they're trying to kind of transition into the programmatic space or even mix the two and reach different personas and different platforms, is, is there any kind of secret to success or any best practices that you found uh, doing this? I think like you, you, you can measure this in two different ways. Like uh, one is uh, through the platform and the tools available through those platforms. The other way is using some internal data to really like uh, uh, opt uh, our, our media mix model analysis. Um, we, we actually tried in both ways. Like one is through the internal uh, studies, like, you know, brand lift measurement, search lift measurement, uh, and any, uh, um, you know, organic or direct growth uh, lift. So that's like number one, which we internally run, but we also work with external party to, uh, uh, to really understand what is the impact of those, um, you know, full funnel modeling and full funnel uh, activation. One good example is um, uh, we, we, we also try to understand what is audience propensity uh, scoring and what is the incrementality multiplier for each and every cohort, which really help us to understand um, how impactful and what is the point of diminishing return for us uh, if, if frequency is, uh, is a, a big priority for us in some of those campaigns. This also helps us to uh, be more efficient, like when we, when we spend this marketing dollar in, in, in the different uh, parts of the funnel. Perfect. And in this half of the episode, what we're going to be doing is talking about the how to connect the dots in a full funnel strategy and look at some best practices for creating a really solid customer journey online. Additionally, what we're going to talk about is the future of the automotive vertical, the future of e-commerce and what trends some advertisers should be looking out for. So Praveen, what we'll do here is start with our question, you know, to a marketer who's listening to this, how would you recommend that they connect the dots from the upper funnel to the lower funnel using various digital marketing strategies? Yeah, I think like there are, um, uh, I would rank a four area of focus if you really, really like to connect the dot uh, from top of funnel to, to bottom of the funnel. One is like, I think like all marketers, uh, we all agreed like marketing funnels are not linear, right? Like it's not linear anymore. Could be linear back in, in I don't know, 1980s, 1990s, but marketing funnels are not linear anymore. It's a, it's a messy mix. So uh, it constantly urge all the marketers to be omnipresent and in each stages of the funnel. So I would rank a top four area of focus if you're really, really uh, looking forward and, and measure success in a, in a full funnel uh, a model. One is like, you know, create an addressable top of funnel media investment, right? Like there are like a lot of digital first solution like CTV, uh, audio, which now we are able to measure impact on uh, in even on like a transactional metrics, right? So try to create that addressable top of funnel media investment and also create uh, a shareable KPIs, um, you know, in a lot of these companies like brand team and, and performance team always work in a, in a different functionality, but creating a common shareable KPI between those two teams, like, you know, really help help you to navigate through all those, uh, you know, hurdles in between, especially in the measurement side, and really understand and try to plan your media mix model, like why it's important to create that media mix model and and what are those user cohorts you are targeting in each channel through each stages of the funnel, uh, which will, again, help you to 
uh, understand audience propensity scoring uh, and also like any incrementality uh, multiplayer you would be able to measure as well. And the last one is like operating model. I think like uh, cross-functional team um, and cross-functional collaboration is like always a key in this, especially like, you know, if you are tracking some of those measurement studies, uh, lift studies, or even, you know, like improvement studies, uh, it's very important. Like you constantly collaborate with your product engineering team because the the cross-functional team collaboration is like really, really important. Even like, you know, to some extent, if you can create a focus group, uh, it would be also helpful for the team to start addressing all this measurement and analysis back into into the company or back into the owners. Awesome. And to tail in this question, I'm, I'm also interested to know, you know, what are some best practices for creating a really solid customer journey? You know, how can we build more trust? How can we make consumers more comfortable during that purchase process, especially when it comes to a vehicle? Identifying those customer persona is like the number one part. Like, you know, we need to have absolute understanding around who's our customer, who's our target audience and where they live, what kind of platform they engage, what's their go-to place if they are in uh, in a research mode. So understanding that is like the first thing and identifying, uh, you know, the budget allocation for each stage and how important it is for you to achieve your, let's say, in-period goal versus like long-term goal, um, having a solid balance between achieving your in-period, in-month target, but also trying to build and nurture long-term, um, uh, like not long-term cohorts for your business is also an important key metrics because end of the day, like if you are too focused on low funnel and, and your in-period uh, target, then you're missing out targeting users who you might be easily convert in the, in the next two months or next three months. So always try to have a balance between uh, those two. But again, I think, end of the day, like having a solid understanding of uh, our core audience would, would really guide us to pick the right channel. And that will open up, uh, you know, how efficient we can scale and, and gain efficiency and maturity across all those platforms and channels as well. So getting to the, the last question here, Praveen, I'm interested to know what the future of the automotive vertical is going to look like and the future of the e-commerce vertical. Um, and what trends advertisers should be looking out for and paying attention to as we head into the latter portion of 2022 and into 2023? In a world where you can order um, food at a click of a button or watch pretty much anything uh, you want from your phone, there are a lot of people who are still haggling over price and pouring through the mountains of paperwork to buy a car. What Clutch is doing right now is like we're just simply modernizing the car buying process and giving Canadians a better way to to buy cars. So I think like this trend will continue and evolve and grow into um, uh, you know a real disruptor in the auto industry market. Once you try one of you know our service, you'll be surprised and you'll be a partner with Clutch. To be honest, um, a lot of our uh, customers who bought through Clutch, there is a huge word of mouth, and um, they shared it with their they shared their experience with their friends and families, and that's how like you know, the popularity of our brand uh, kept on growing and growing. So it adds a lot of trust and credibility to who we are and what we do right now. It's high time marketers should think about, uh, you know, adapting to a full funnel strategy because uh, focusing on a low funnel or mid funnel silos are not going to help anyone to uh, to accelerate their growth. Like if you are looking to grow your business, um, you know, year over year, I think 
a marketer has to adapt to a full funnel strategy. And all those full funnel strategy has to have uh, the four pillars I mentioned in, in, in your previous question. Like, you know, again, I'm repeating it, uh, but it's very, very important. Like, yeah, you know, as a marketer, we have to think through this. One is, again, keep all your top of funnel uh, investment more addressable. Create a shareable KPI between teams. Uh, work on your media mix model and, and create uh, focus groups uh, within your team. Uh, if one team focuses on media buying, the other team always constantly do and run rigorous experiments around those channels. So uh, those are the four things I would, again, reiterate. Um, people should think about, um, you know, uh, when, when they think about, like, what's the future of e-commerce uh, in the space? Just want to give you a quick thank you for joining us on the episode. Uh, we appreciate your insight on all the questions and, and to all of our listeners who are in the automotive space and the e-commerce space. We hope that you took as much away from this episode as I did. And until then, this has been the How Agencies Thrive podcast and we wish you best of luck. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the How Agencies Thrive podcast. If you like what you heard, then there's three things that you can do to support the show. Number one, subscribe. Number two, leave us a review. And number three, share our podcast on social media or with anyone who might find value in this content. If you have questions or feedback or just want to learn how agencies and brands work with StackAdapt, you can find us at stackadapt.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.